welcome to the Christian Coach Podcast. Our mission is to serve coaches through conversation so they can lead like Jesus. I am Chad Simpson, and today I'm joined by my co-host, Gian Lemmy. Hey, Chad. How's it going? Good, Gian. It's been uh, a few months since we've recorded one of these, but we're excited to get season two. We had 51 episodes in season one, and uh, man, you, you've cranked out uh, maybe almost a thousand here this summer. You're, you're such a hard worker. Uh, a lot are already recorded, ready to release these this fall. But uh, what are you thinking about season two, Gian? Season two, we're going to have a great mix, Chad. I think season one was focused a lot on college coaches and our connections. But as the podcast got a little bit more popular and we got a, a bigger following, we we're able to get some recommendations from high school coaches to college coaches um, to chaplains to ADs. We'll have a few ADs this um, this this season. We also are going to have even high school superintendents, which is really cool and, and have their perspective because we know a lot of our, of our audience is uh, high school coaches as well. And to know that relationship between coaches and superintendents is really important. Yeah. And just to remind our listeners, we, we release every Tuesday morning with another episode. And uh, today's interview is a special one. Today, I, Chad, am getting ready to interview Gian. And uh, Gian, we are so excited to learn more about you. You're doing amazing things in your career um, and in your home. And uh, I'm just excited to help unveil just a little bit of your heart and and your work. Uh, So everybody knows this is our, our power question to kick things off. And after 51 responses we heard a lot of good answers and uh i don't know if this is pressure on but jim just from your perspective what does it mean for you to be a christian coach yeah chad you mentioned that we've heard of so many good answers and so i i've i've also started developing that that answer myself and it, it comes with a collection of things right and it comes with first and foremost the aroma of christ i think some of the coaches talked about that and i think the, by the way we act the way we interact with others people should know the difference, right? They should know the, the, that we are different because of the way, not particularly physically the way we smell, but, but there should be something different about us, right? And, and the next thing is influence, right? How, how are you interacting with other people, making them better as well as bringing them closer to Christ? And a lot of the coaches talked about not just separating being a Christian and being a cro- coach, but being a Christian in everything we do. Um, but I think those two words of aroma and influence is what um, separates Christian coaches from just your regular coach. Really good, Gene. And uh, just for the aroma, I know as doubles partners back in the day that, that I probably smelled your sweat um, before, but um, really your aroma, I, I smell I smell Christ on you and, and you've had a great influence on me and my life and my career. So I'm thankful, but just take us back um, man, how did you, how did you end up at Liberty coming from, from Brazil to Liberty? Tell us a little bit about the journey to, to come there. And, uh, I don't think you were a Christian at that time. So what, what was that like for you to come to Liberty and, and encounter all that that entails? Yeah. So was raised in a Catholic family, but family just went, um, to church twice, three times a year, um, so I, I did have a faith, but it wasn't, it was a faith a lot about works and doing things and trying to be good and um, went to a Catholic school for, you know, K through 12. Um, and then when it was time to figure out college, I really wanted to live in America. 
So my family sent me to Connecticut for a year in high school. So my junior year of high school, I did it in Connecticut and loved it. And I knew that this was a place that I wanted to live forever. Um, so I went back to Brazil, finished high school and started the recruiting process. Back then there was no YouTube, there's nothing. So I sent DVDs to coaches, mailing DVDs to coaches, um, got some traction on that, but not, not any traction on schools that I really wanted to go to. And so I signed up with an aging, uh, with an agent. And he had a lot more connections and was able to email out my video to a lot more coaches. And I got offers in tennis, men's tennis. We, we don't get full scholarships. So they had that issue with my family being able to afford it. And so got a lot of little money for big name schools and got a lot of money for little name schools. Um, and Liberty was right in the sweet spot of good tennis program and my family could afford it. And I had two Brazilian, you know, friends at Liberty already that play tennis. And so that helped a little bit. Um, but I did not know what I was getting myself into when I arrived at Liberty. Um, I couldn't have been more surprised when first meal, they bowed their heads and prayed. I was like, what's happening here? You know? Um, but it's, it's been a great, a great journey. Uh, my met my wife right before school started freshman year and she had been a great vessel of Christ's message in my life and she brought me closer to God and by the day before my birthday December 11th so December 10th of 2008 my freshman year I decided that I had to give my life to Christ and that he was worth living and dying for that's awesome man Really special, uh, really cool for me to be on the team a couple of years older than you and see you come in and uh, the transformation and, and the growth. And um, and you had a, a stellar career, uh, shattered shattered the records and, and won a lot of matches. One of the best doubles players I've ever been around and played with. You were uh, sneaky up at the net. I just feel like I could hit the serve in and you did the rest. But um, after your playing career came to an end, uh, tell us the story. Did you always want to be a coach? How did you end up coaching at your alma mater? Yeah, so I wanted to be a PE teacher. That's what I went to school for and wanted to be in shorts and t-shirts every day, all day and get three months off in the summer, you know. Um, and so I went to school for physical education and got my degree. And as it was nearing the end of my undergrad, I went to Coach Johnson, our, our head coach, and said, hey, is there a possibility for me to be a GA? And and get my master's in education. And he said, sure, you, you, you know, you, you're in. And so that gave a little flexibility with my wife or then she was fiance. Um, but right off, right before my season ended, coach Johnson brought us all in and said that they, he was splitting the program. So he used to be the coach for men and women at the same time. And he was just going to take over the men's program and take his assistant with him. And they were hiring a brand new coach for the women's program. And I was to be his grad assistant for one year. And then he was going to decide if you wanted to keep me as a grad assistant or fire me or keep me. Um, so my wife and I got married in August, early August. My anniversary is this Wednesday. And, um, and then became the GA for one year and found out that that's what God had in all, all you know, this whole time he had in, in mind for me. I still wear shorts and a t-shirt every day. Um, and, but I, I only get to take care of, you know, five, five to 10, 12 girls every year instead of 500, 800 kids in a high school, you know, and I still get a lot of the summers off that get to go recruiting 
it's the best job in the world. It really is. They pay for your food, they pay for your clothes, they pay for your travel. Um, and I get to impact um, in my job, young women, um, bring them closer to Christ and, and be a great role model for them. Yeah, really powerful. Just like uh, Jesus, just investing in a few and uh, making disciples who can go out and, and change the world. It's powerful, Gene. Um, what, what emotions, I'm thinking about when you first came on campus, we... We had our courts bulldozed, uh, whatever, 2008, 2009, somewhere in there. We had no tennis courts. I, I came back, and uh, I was ready to go, go to practice, and there's a faculty parking lot. So you step on campus with no tennis courts, practicing 15 minutes away. I'm thinking, what emotions arise from that all the way to all that you have now in 2021 at Liberty University, uh, mega, mega Christian school? You guys have everything compete with the ACC and facilities and budgets. So what emotions arise as you think about the journey? Yeah, it was, it was a, it was a weird feeling because even though Liberty was a little smaller back then compared to what I had in Brazil, it was unbelievable. You know, the facilities like the classrooms and buildings and even the football stadium, they only used to sit maybe 15,000 or back then maybe 12,000. Um, I, it was still incredible you know, to me to see. And, but it was a little humbling because it was, I thought I was a big time recruit from Brazil and I had chosen to come to this university. And now I, we had to take a bus every day or a van every day to a local high school to go practice. So that was very humbling, but it also makes me a lot, uh, makes me thankful, you know, it makes me very grateful for what we have now, you know, now we got 18 tennis courts, six of them indoors and a building and everything. And it, we, we used to have to string our own rackets. Now we have a person designated just to do that for us. Um, and so that was, a, 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 it's a great thing to look back and, and be appreciative. Um, but I knew it from the beginning. My mom even knew it because I would send her pictures every day right when I got to campus. And a few days after I got to campus, she was like, you're not coming back, are you? And I was like, I'm glad. I'm glad you figured it out before I had to tell you that. And just for your journey to continue, um, obviously Coach Marin came in and you guys have, have built up the program and uh, a, a top, top mid-major team and um, amazing year this last year, 19, 19 win season, I believe. But what are some of the top things that you have learned from Coach Marin? And uh, just for your journey of being a longtime assistant coach, what, what's been some of the best parts of being his assistant for and now associate uh, for this many years? Yeah. So right from the beginning, he, he allowed me to have control over the program, you know, right. As a 22 year old recent grad, he gave me tasks and did not micromanage me. Um, and I think from my experience interviewing coaches and now working with coaches as well, is that a lot of head coaches feel like they need to have control over every aspect of the program. And that makes their assistant coaches feel a little claustrophobic if you, you know, that way. And that I think that's why a lot of assistant coaches are leaving and trying to go different places and hopping from one school to another. But Coach Marin always allowed me to have a hand in the program. And it started first with small things, right? Go order uniform and then go book hotels. And, um, and then, you know, after that first year as a GA, he hired me full time. And then he gave me complete freedom in recruiting and, and in every aspect of the program. So I feel like, you know, uh, I make an impact right from the beginning. I was making an impact. I wasn't just a side kick to, to a great coach. And that, that was one of the things that, that he taught me that I think a lot of coaches could use is delegate, delegate well, and then don't micromanage, you know, 
Um, and then the other thing he taught me is tone is much more important than the message itself. <laughs> and, co- you know, coming from a men's team where, you know, it, there's a lot of yelling and a, a lot of the motivation is sometimes fear-based and, um, and a little rude sometimes. Te- coaching girls is completely different. And those first few years, I did, did a very poor job of uh, communicating well with girls. And I had just been married and um, Coach Marin was very, very patient um, with me and, and guided me with love and, and grace. Um, now I feel like I have, I have sorted it out. Not, not much, but I think I'm a little better now um, in, recruiting, in recruiting girls and turning them into women by the time they leave college. Um, I feel like it's a great calling and a great blessing to be a part of it. I'm sure for Coach Marin to reflect on on all that you guys have accomplished, like he's going to look at some of the, the great tennis players he's produced and the wins of the team, but um, just creating this environment for you to flourish and grow, to go from 22 to, to whatever you are now, ready yeah. to, to lead and influence, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and I know one of the ways that he gave you some, um, some rope um, to, to kind of go out on your own and, and lead is in recruiting. And then in, in your book, uh, you had an amazing chapter uh, based off of recruiting, and you had an acronym called ACE, correct? A-C-E. Yeah, Can you just right. tell us a little bit, what, what does ACE stand for? Yeah, so um, ACE stands for Academics, Champion Mindset, and energy, right? And I think when I came up with the book and my coaching philosophy, um, the court of excellence, that was the first chapter I wanted to write was recruiting because that's the, that's the basis of any, not the basis, but like that's the first step of building a program. You got to bring the right kind of people. And so we, we, this is something that coach Marin and I have really worked on is finding girls who are really good academically. Liberty is a private school. And so academics is very important and finding the girls who have, done a great job of balancing academics with tennis. I think sometimes they focus too much on one and the other and they, the other part suffers. And so finding good girls, great tennis players who are great students, that's a good, it's a good foundation for recruiting. And then the champion mindset, it's not so much about winning matches, which that is important, you know, but it's finding that girl who's always curious, who always wants to get better, who, who is not satisfied with the status quo. Um, and that's something that coach man instilled in me and I want to instill in, in the rest of the girls. And then the last one is energy, right? How, how does the recruiting calls go? Do they have good energy? Do, they, do you feel those vibes? Or are they energy vampires like John Gordon? Um, and then how do they interact with the other um, players in tournaments? Right? We, we watch them like a hawk in between matches, right? Uh, how are they interacting with their parents? If, if they're treating their parents terribly, most likely they're going to treat those coaches terribly as well. Um, and so those three things are, are very basic, but those are things that we really look at when, when finding the right type of recruit and we name them OKGs, right? Our kind of girl. Um, and recently the last three, four years, we've been able to build a great program with a lot of OKGs. Nice. That's awesome. I love the, the organization and just knowing what you guys are looking for. Um, and as I keep thinking about the court of excellence, uh, as you being, uh, you know, an associate head coach there, but what, what made you want to write a book uh, and how did you put it together? Tell us just the, the story of, of that. Yeah. So it's 2016. I had been coaching now for four years and we, we always lost to Winthrop somehow in the conference championships. We always lost to Winthrop and 
by 2016, our, our team was better talent wise than, than Winthrop's. They were very good. They internationally ranked every year, but we felt like we were much better than they were, but somehow we kept missing something. And in 2016, we played our national or not our conference championship here at Liberty um, for the first time and had made it to the finals for the first time and met Winthrop and we had beaten Winthrop in a regular season. And so we were confident and built a big lead. We're up to, you know, we're two points away from, from winning at all. And, you know, being conference champions for the first time in school history and we lost it. Right. And I'm sitting there on the bench, just distraught because I thought we had it. And, and I'm like, there's some, there has to be something more here that we, that we got to do. And so I signed up for a professional development program and a lot of the guests that we've had have been to that program as well with Celius Slater and True North Sports. And I was poured in by so many high quality coaches beyond the X's and O's, right? I'm pretty good at X's and O's. I was a good tennis player, so I know good X's and O's, but I didn't know how to manage a team, manage girls, manage teamwork, manage support staff, donors, and all those things. And that's what she brought up in those in that program. And she, you know, in one of the exercises was to come up with a um, coaching philosophy. Not a lot of coaches just wrote bullet points and, but I'm a little overachiever. And so I drew up a court, you know, there was one of the coaches that were speaking, Holly Hesse. She taught, uh, she coached softball at Missouri state and she had the diamond of success. And so it was a softball diamond with all different aspects of her program in inside that diamond and each had a meaning. And so I, I decided to build a, a tennis court um, and start putting things where they belonged and recruiting is outside the court because it's not a part of the program yet, but it's very important. And then, you know, the doubles alleys are team bonding and support staff, donors and parents and all those things. And so it was little by little, I started building and every summer I would go back and think about what had just happened the previous year and try to shape it a little bit better. And then the pandemic hit and I was like, what am I going to do with my life? And, and I love reading, you know, you know, I love reading and I read about a book a week and, and I was like, it would be nice to have a book of my own. So my kids could read it one day and be like, wow, my dad published a book. And, and I wrote that book during the pandemic and you were writing your book at the same time. And we were sharing ideas and stories and how do we do this and how do we create a cover and all those things. And I published the book last August. And a lot of people bought it. I just word of mouth. And, and a lot of the coaches that read it came back to me and said, it's great that you have your own, but how can you help me build my own coaching philosophy? Right. Mm -hmm. And so the second edition, it's basically the same book with a lot of fixes on misspellings and a nice new cover. Um, but at each chapter has action steps that coaches can can start to have more self-awareness and start developing their own coaching philosophy. And I think that's what uh, I think if every coach has a solid coaching philosophy, then not just college sports, but high school sports will also benefit. You know, every student will benefit from having a coach that knows what he's all or she's all about. Um, and I think, you know, youth sports will, will grow tremendously. hundred percent. We, we have to, have a, a map for where we want to go as coaches. And so I think you have to take this inner journey to think through, you know, what is most important to me. And uh, you did, you did a phenomenal job. Uh, I, I enjoyed the, some of the fun, lighthearted stories and uh, you know, probably 60% of it was probably more just like good, good content quotes that you pulled from all of your reading and study. And um, 
I'm really excited. It's the type of book for me. I'm, I'm excited to reread it. Um, I'll be honest, I haven't read the, the relaunch book yet, but um, I'm, I'm excited to, to re uh, go back through it uh, and learn. So you did an amazing job. It's a big accomplishment to write a book. So congrats to you, man. Thanks, um, the other thing within the book that, that I liked um, was just your, your family crest. I, I think you called it that. And yep. um, can you just tell us a little bit about your, your family mission and uh, kind of, you had a pretty cool logo design to kind of share that uh, with your, your wife and your kids. Yeah. So that was the first step, right? It was, well, if I want to, know what I'm stand for as a coach. I need to figure out what I stand as, as a husband and a, and a father, which those are my first jobs, you know? Um, and so my wife and I sat down back in 2019 and, and started figuring out what are we, what do we want our family to be about? Like, what do we want to stand for? And so we came up with four, four, you know, bullet points and it's communication, gratitude and service, curiosity and resilience. And God knew we needed resilience in 2020, you know, um, but I'm a visual person. I'm a visual learner. That's why I built a court as my coaching philosophy. And then I was like, wow, it'd be so cool if we had a picture of what our family stands for as well. And I always loved those older movies where the, you know, the tribes are battling and there's a guy carrying the, the family flag and stuff. And so I asked one of my uh, athletes who is a graphic design major to, to design a crest and so it's, it's really cool. Um, I have it on the back of my phone. It's everywhere. We have a canvas at home with, with it um, just to keep reminding us of what we're all about. Um, but I think every coach should first start with him or herself, right? And figure out their family first and then move, on, move into their work. How did, you, how did you come up with those words? What was the journey like to kind of build, build that together? Well, I think it's, I came with, I, I, you know, we sat down beforehand and said, okay, what do we want? Uh, what, what do I want my family to be about? And what did she want her family to be about? And ended up that those four were very, were, were common, right? Were common in, in both lists. Um, and so that, that was uh, the easier part was, and then now as our kids get a little older, trying to instill that in them um, will, will be the next challenge. Yeah. Awesome. That's really cool. Um, man, well, anybody kind of from the outside looking at your life, you're, you're a division one coach. Um, you have a family to take care of. You wrote a book We're we're doing this podcast and you just ran on an Ironman, um, a half, for, a half okay. Ironman. We'll, we'll be Sorry. honest. It's a half Ironman, just half well, crazy. The training, the training for that was extreme, I know. So just thinking about your, your daily disciplines, your weekly disciplines, do you have any like rules in your life that are, are really important for you to kind of keep uh, organized for yourself and, and living um, the life that, that you want to live um, as a man of God? Yeah. Now with kids, it's become about finding a little bit of time by myself where I can pour into the Bible and, and read good materials. Um, and so I wake up very early every morning, 4, 4.30 every morning, just to have that time for myself. Because my kids are early risers. They're nuts. They sleep very little. And so waking up early and, and, and pouring into the Bible um, and then having just a little time where I can journal, I can, I can meditate on God's word um, and plan out the day. That gives me a huge advantage when I get to the office. Um, it's uh it's a night and day, the difference when I don't do it and when I do it. 
Um, and when I get to the office about 7.15, 7.30, I feel like I've accomplished so much already. And I have the energy to just continue to do it. Well, some people are getting to the office and they're checking social media and they're doing all those things. They're wasting time. I feel like by the time I get to the office, my mind is ready to go and I can be very productive in those first few hours of the day. Awesome. Really cool. Um, how do you, I know you read like crazy. Do you have any, um, structure or plan for how you discern types of books that you want to read and what you want to kind of bring into your, your life and your mind? Yeah. So I, I used to read a lot of self-help and I realized that the Bible is the best self-help book you could read. Um, so I still read some, some business books because that helps with managing a team and all those things. Um, and, but I think it, it's very important when you like an author, just write, just read all of the, all of the author's books. Right. And then look at what this author is reading himself. Right. So if Malcolm Gladwell, one of my favorites, he's such a great writer. If he says, Oh, I read this. So-and-so I'm going to read so-and-so just to see what it looks like, you know? And at first what happened was I would read the book from cover to cover. Now I feel like if the book is not enticing, don't waste your time, you know? And that's why I go to Goodwill, buy a book for a dollar. So if I don't read it, I'm not feeling too bad, you know? Use your school resources, your school libraries, look at your city library. You'll be able to find every book that you ever need. You don't need to buy books. Um, if I do like a book, then I'll buy it. But most of the time I'm just looking at libraries and or Goodwill for, for great content. And I've been able to shape now my search towards authors and, and topics that I really enjoy. Other than Malcolm Gladwell, is there an author that you would first uh, recommend for a Christian coach listening to this podcast or, or a book or two that you're like, hey, these were yeah. really, really helpful for my life? Yeah, John, John Gordon, you know, I think as a young coach, you, you if you haven't read it, you should read it because his message is so easy to understand and easy to apply, but the ramifications are very deep. And so if you have international students, these books are very easy to read. And um, and then I, I, I like Atomic Habits by James Clear. That was um, very important when I was trying to develop my own habits and morning routines. Um, and then recently I've, I've gone into John Acuff. Um, he just wrote a book about overthinking and that really spoke to me. And most of his books talk about goal setting and finishing goals and it's a, it's a good guy to follow on social media as well. He's very funny. And yet all of his books are very research-based and, and really applicable. Awesome. Thanks for sharing. I uh, loved Atomic Habits. And John Acuff, I think he came and spoke at a chapel there, yep. there when we were students. Um, but Gene, just as we close this out, uh, just thinking about your legacy, man, I'm just watching this like trajectory of your life and the things that you're doing. And um I'm so excited for you and, and your future. But um, as you think about 20, 30 years down the road as a coach and as a leader, um, how, how do you want to be remembered? What do you want your legacy to be? Um, goes back to my favorite Bible verse in uh, Philippians 121, to live is Christ, to die is gain. And I don't want to, I want to be known for somebody who really didn't waste any time on earth, you know? always trying to accomplish something for Christ and bring people closer to him. And so that's why I wrote the book. I have, we have the podcast um, trying to influence as many people as possible for the kingdom. Um, and I hope that when, um, you know, people come to my 
you know, my service, my, you know, uh, funeral that people will, will be inspired by, by my life, not because of the things that I did, but, but how much, uh, glory to God I brought while doing those things. Let's go, Jim, man. I'm so excited. <laughs> you're, you're the man. Uh, I'm so thankful to be your podcast host and your, your formal, former doubles player, but, um, we're heading into 2021 season, Tennis season is going to be gearing up in the next few weeks, but um, how can we be praying for you in this season? I think as sometimes to a fault, I can try to juggle too many balls all at once. And that sometimes puts stress on, on my family and personal life and all those things that I will be able to maybe slow down slightly, not, not too much, um, but be able to focus and, and pour into my kids now as they get a little older, um, be able to pour into their lives as well. Um, still with the mission of bringing them to closer to Christ. Right. And, but not, I think family balance is kind of a wrong term because there's seasons in life. And sometimes you have to focus on one and the other, but may my family season be much, much greater than my, my work season. Mm. And, and I, I see, uh, as we're, as we're growing up and, and growing as leaders, there's more and more good opportunities coming. And as we, as we slow in certain areas, uh, we maybe can say yes and speed up in, in the other areas. So yep. um, I'm, I'm in the same boat with you. It's hard, to, it's hard to discern and say yes or say no to certain things. But let's, uh, let's just pray and uh, talk, to, talk to the Lord. King Jesus, we, we just bow down and we look at you. We fix our, our, our gaze on you, God. Uh, you're the author and the perfecter of our faith. And God, we thank you so much for Gian, for his life, for drawing him um, from Brazil to, to liberty, to hear the gospel and, uh, and to find you. And uh, we just thank you for all the work and ministry that he's done here these past few years and walking with you. And we just pray that you'll give him wisdom and discernment and, and knowing which priorities to attack and which to slow down on. Um, pray that you bless him and, and his home and with Meredith and, and his kids. And uh, pray that you bless this next season, that it'd be uh, a season of impact, that he'd be able to point students uh, to Christ, that he'd be able to point coaches to Christ. And, uh, and we will give you all the praise and all the glory. We praise in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Chad, what, what did you think about the interview? Oh, my goodness. Uh, just quick reflections. I, uh, I loved it. I just, anytime I can spend 30 minutes looking at your face and, and talking to you was a highlight. But I think the coaches, they're going to love um, just talking about ACE and recruiting for the college coaches, knowing what you're looking for, the OKGs, but ACE, academics, championship mindset, and then energy. I think that was really, really good. And then just the big idea of creating a coaching philosophy, creating a mission um, plan or, or philosophy, knowing where you want to go. And that just resulting in you uh, writing down your ideas and creating this book, The Court of Excellence, that, that every coach should, should read. And it's going to help spur them uh, on in their thoughts of creating their own uh, coaching philosophy. Like for me, I, I created the three pillars as I'm doing my heart searching to, to know what I want to do in coaching. And when we say may I have these big decisions to make, we can go back to that philosophy to, to say yes or say no based off. This is, this is what I decided when I started who I wanted to be. 
Um, but Jean, just as as you're building these other areas, um, how can we how can we learn more about you? Uh, is there a website? Um, share your social media. Um, how can we learn more about you? Yeah, I'm at Coach Underline Lemmy on Twitter. Um, Coach Chef Lemmy on Instagram because I post recipes on Instagram. If coaches want to get some good meals, I've never had a meal with you, so I need to get up to lunch break <laughs> soon. Um, and I, I have a website, CoachLemmy.com, where it's the one-stop shop for everything. Um, that, that I've been a part of this podcast, the book, um, the book is on Amazon. We'll, we'll link the, 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 the page to, to those show notes. And, um, but I'm very excited how, you know, about the impact of this book. I want to make sure that, you know, people don't think that this book is just about tennis as well. It's any sport, any level, um, can, can have a coaching philosophy and this book can help you, um, develop that as well. Um, only one chapter is about tennis of the whole book. And so everything else has to do with beyond X's and O's. So coaches of all levels and all, all sports can, can be of benefit. And, you know, just, just reach out to me if you want to, you know, you guys know where we are. Um, and I, I'm, I'm here to help, I'm here to serve coaches, um, regardless of the, the means, if it's conversations or if it's uh, through the book, I'm, I'm open to help anybody. Yeah. Awesome, Gene. Well, thanks so much for sharing your time with us. What a blessing. And uh, just every episode we, we end with this because, and I've quoted myself uh, 10 times this summer since we've last published. My dad calls me out on it as I'm heading back home through the door. But um, just remember coach, the mission field is right where you're at.